Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. everyone, welcome to My Millennial Money. Today on the podcast, it's a bonus episode. Uh, earlier in the week, we did an episode about setting up a self-managed super fund if a self-managed super fund's for you. But today we are talking about buying a property with your super money. And we're going to have a lot of fun. It's a bit of a deep dive. We've got Nigel Pritchard. G'day, Nigel. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Good. How are you? Not too shabs. You hanging in there, John? I'm here. Nice. Welcome. Now, Nigel, you are on our preferred uh, broker panel, so John and I have vetted you. We send a lot of our listeners to you who might need a mortgage, so thank you so much. And you've heard Nigel on the podcast before from our live events, and I actually recorded an episode with Nigel, John and I did, I think last year, and we did a deep dive into my own personal situation. Mm, but, in the old office. Yeah, but we didn't ever put that up because I thought it was too much personal information. Uh, and so I didn't want to attract too much hate. Oh, we just drip feed it now, don't we? We do. So, Nige, you've, I guess most of the time when people want to buy a property with their super, mm-hmm. well, all of the time, a direct property, you're going to need a self-managed super fund. So, sure. we just all assume that we're talking about a self-managed super fund. You've done hundreds of loans throughout your career because a lot of the time people will often use debt to buy a property in their super fund. Sure. So just talk to us about your general experiences and what type of property that you see people buying in their self-managed super fund. Sure. Well, there's, um, I guess there's two, two different types of property that people would buy in their super fund. Um, Obviously, one being residential and one being commercial. So, um, two different strategies for looking at that. Um, typically, it's your um, your couple or your mums and dads looking to buy a residential property, um, and typically that would be a kind of a newish property. The, the the newer the better, as John would sort of attest to. Um, and the other ones would be a commercial property. So, typically, that is your self-employed person that would buy a commercial property. Um, I don't see too many, or in my experience, don't see too many average people buying a a commercial property um, because it is a completely different sort of um, strategy to do it that way. So on the commercial side, it could be an example. uh, There might be an electrician who needs a warehouse. They will buy that property in their self-managed super fund and their electrical business will rent the property off their self-managed super fund. Correct, yeah. So I've done a bunch like that where you've got your tradies, their electrician or a plumber that's got a, a small factory bay that they might, you know, store all their equipment and gear in and, you know, as opposed to renting that facility from their, from their uh, from a landlord, they'll, they'll purchase that and then their, their company or business will then essentially rent that property off, off the SMSF. 
which is different. You're allowed to do that under commercial. So you're allowed to rent off essentially yourself um, if it's a commercial uh, property. Uh, technically, it's you know it's the it's the the business company that's that's renting off the super fund. However, in residential, you can't do that. So you can't buy a residential property and then essentially live in it yourself and then become your own tenant. Uh, but there's different ruling for for commercial. And I guess likewise with the commercial side, if you're thinking, oh, I will set up a self-managed super fund, I'll buy a home in it mm. and then I will, like you said, Nigel, I'll rent it off the super fund. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't put a related party in there. So, sure. you can't put family members in there. Nor can you have a property in your own name and then transfer that residential property into the self-managed super fund. But in terms of, I guess, property and financial planning strategies, if you did own a commercial unit in your own name, you can transfer that unit into the self-managed super fund. So again, there's a a few different options when we talk about the commercial side, but I guess for our listeners today, we'll probably talk more about the residential property within super because that's kind of, you know, what most people will want to do, Sure, uh, you know as opposed to just going and buying a, a fish and chip shop yeah. and then renting out the business? I think on the commercial side, Nigel, you would have experienced plenty of this where if you're a business owner, self-employed, small, large, medium, whatever, you, it's uh, it's a real high incentive to go and if you've got the funds in your super fund, your self-managed super fund, to go and buy that commercial space, you know you got to run your business out of something anyway. Mm. Yeah, sure, you can claim the rent if you just had a normal premise that you didn't own. But uh, if you've got an asset that you can actually rent from this your self-managed super fund, you the business, um, then it's a it's a win-win, isn't it? Really? Yeah, for sure. So I've seen a lot of you know successful. Um, uh, that being a successful strategy where people do that, um, it's it's good for the business financials because you know you're you're renting it technically off yourself. You've got an asset there that you can then on sell in the in the future mm. as part of the business, which a lot of people would do. They would sell their business as a going concern with the with the that factory or shop front um, included in that. So so it is a, a, a good strategy that you see for. But you know, I think it's also on the commercial side. It can be fraught with danger uh, where people get tied up like, and I'll pick on, you know, tradespeople for now, um, particularly in a business that hasn't matured yet. Mm. Uh, so you might have a bit of a startup business or, you know, it's five years old and you're, you're still kind of in growth mode and you might have a bit in super. I think there's the trap of thinking that you're in the property business where no, you're an electrician, like that's your core business. And I just worry sometimes where you're still growing, just go and rent somewhere, just grow the business because you don't want to outgrow it. Mm. And then you own this factory bay that's custom to your smaller business or particularly I've seen it with uh, online businesses where they, they might have a warehouse to package the stock and do all that stuff. You're a growing business. You're, you're not in the property business. You're in the online business. You're not yeah. in the property business. You're an electrician. You're not in the property business. You own a hair salon. Mm. So I think it's very important. Like I'm all for buying a commercial property in the self-managed super fund for your business, but you just need to make sure that 
you're not putting the property cart before the business horse. Yeah, your, your business has definitely got to be established, doesn't it? And you've got to got to have that long-term view. Where Where's my business going to be in 10 years' time? Like we do with any strategy, right? You've got to look, look out in the, into the distance and then bring yourself back. But yeah, like that, if you've got the ability to say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll run my business for another 15 years. I'm not going to outgrow this space. Um, my value of that office space or warehouse, whatever it is, is potentially going up in value. And by the time my business has ended, I own it outright. Um, you can sell your business or you can sell the warehouse w- with it, or you can just choose to uh, sell your business and then you've got the cash flow from that uh, warehouse in retirement, which is um, mm. a few great options up your sleeve. And, and you can also determine what rent you pay yourself. So you're the landlord and the tenant essentially. Now, it's got to be fair and reasonable rent um, as assessed, but that's the other positive of it as, as well. But sure. yeah, as yeah, you said, and, there's and always I think it negatives. Is, yeah, it's a control thing. Like if you are a business owner, Sure, you'd want to be your own landlord and sure, you might not have the capacity to buy that property with your own funds, but if you've got your super fund there, knock yourself out. And I guess for me personally, like longer term, uh, you know, our studio will probably be in some type of property that my super fund owns. Mm. But I've just got to be very careful that I don't pull that trigger too fast because of one location like, will I be moving to Newcastle? Mm. Will I be on the coast? So that's number one. And number two, will we outgrow it? Yeah, <laughs> so right. we might just park that kind of discussion there. Uh, but Nige, I guess there's two ways to buy property ordinarily. Uh, super aside, you write a big check and you buy the bloody property. Or if you don't have the cash, you write a small check, which is maybe a deposit and then you borrow for the rest of it. So inside or outside of super, that's how you buy property. (laughs) Nigel prefers a second one, otherwise he'd be out of business. (laughs) Now, so I guess let's just talk about, you know, you probably don't need a mortgage broker when you're, you know, if you've got a super fund with a heap of cash and you just want to go and buy property, Uh, we'll assume that's pretty straightforward. Uh, But when people want to, borrow money to buy a property and use their super fund, do you see any initial traps? So, for example, they go to a seminar and why are you grinning? <laughs> it's just this, a happy guy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, it's like they go to the seminar and at the seminar, oh, we'll set up your super fund. We'll bloody do the loan. We'll bloody buy the property hmm. for you. We'll choose the property. I've got my view on this, but what do you see in terms of that type of strategy that you've seen the good and the bad? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, the, the, the overall um, premise of buying property in, in supers is great. There's lots of tax advantages for doing it. There's, you know, a pool of money sitting there that you've got access to that, you know, most Australians love property and it's an asset that you know and you can feel and touch and uh, as opposed to shares that, that purchasing property is always sort of a good idea. Um, what I've, I've seen lots, hundreds of, of, of super fund transactions and um, there is good and, and then there is the bad. What I sort of firmly believe is that you get multiple, multiple advisors or advice from 
experts in their particular field. So if you're thinking of setting up an SMSF, go and talk to a financial advisor, um, get them to run the numbers, get an accountant to set up the the structure for you and give you your, your accounting and sort of taxation advice. Um, go and either source the property yourself or, or, or go and um, get a buyer's agent or someone like John that's got experience with, with property um, and then come and see like a, a mortgage broker that can handle the finance. There's, there's a team of sort of five, five different people that have got their individual specialties that need to sort of work together. Um, it's when you go and like you said, there's a seminar or it's a sort of a one-stop shop where you, where you, you walk into one room and there's all the people sort of sitting there. They're all under the one roof that they're, you know, may have their own sort of agenda. So, um, you know, it's, it's very attractive because um, there's a lot of people that might not be able to, to, to purchase in their, in their personal name or they, they've hit their, their capacity um, individually. However, they've got, you know, there's a couple of hundred grand just sort of sitting there that, which is, you know, a little honey pot that's, that's untouched. So yeah, having access to that, then that sort of opens up, you know, different, different people's views and, and what they can do with that. So if you're going into, like you said, a seminar where it's all happening and um, they're setting it up for you, setting up the SMSF, um, giving you the advice, doing your borrowing capacity. And then all of a sudden they've got a property that just miraculously fits into that mold. Um, yeah, it's, where. I think it's, I think, and look, that may all turn out rosy and okay, but I think the key part of that is um, the, the owner that has little involvement in the process. So one, they may not understand what's going on. They'd, and number two, they're not educated in the process. So they don't really have full control over the situation, right? So it's left to second, third parties to do that work on their behalf, which sounds great at the time. I'll get, get that all done and it's uh, I've got my money. I want to spend it on property. I've got that achieved. But yeah, it's that... Um, it's that understanding part of it that's uh, that's generally missing, isn't it? Sure, um, that's and, right. and the owner or taking ownership of that um, process. But yeah, I think just in general, like if like when I was looking at buying property in self managed super fund ten years ago, um, how much we needed to actually put down as a deposit when we're getting a loan was uh, was smaller back then because property prices weren't as high, mm. uh, but also lending conditions were, were different. Uh, talk oh. to us about the, the lay of the land Well, now. just on, like before you do the lay of the land of lending, just on that, you know, the one-stop shop, I just want to add like anything in your life, just have a healthy level of skepticism. Yeah. It's not that, you know, I get emails all the time, oh, I've been to three advisors, which one should I choose? I, I don't know who to trust. I mean... If I'm referring you to two advisors, mm. at least there's a filter of John and I have looked at them and they're not mm. sharks. So I think it's not this everyone's out to get me, but just a healthy level of skepticism because sure. mm. I'll just add on that one-stop shop. Uh, I've seen uh, personal cases of clients where they've they've gone in, they've had a healthy super balance. Next minute they turn around Set up a self-managed super fund. Okay, well, yep, that accountant's charged them three grand to do that. They needed advice from the advisor in the office. That was two grand. Oh, you're buying two properties now. So it could be a million dollar lend. I don't know how much mortgage brokers get paid, but there's another five grand or whatever it is. And then we're scooping 20 grand per property. 
And the wash up is I've legitimately seen clients that have had two investment properties in their self-managed super fund in the same estate in the same suburb up in the Hunter Valley where they're being empty, they can't get a tenant and the prices are worth less than what they paid for it and they are screwed. Yeah. Yeah. So that also speaks to your um, concentration risk and your diversification as well more than anything. Yeah, yeah, just going into it with eyes wide open and yeah. asking good questions. So how in terms of lending, um, actually, John, would you mind if we just step back a little bit? No. And because I will get to the lending part, but let's talk about this limited recourse borrowing. So if we do want to borrow to buy a property in super, how is it set up with limited recourse borrowing? Sure. So if you're looking at buying, um, we'll start at the beginning, we're setting up a super fund. Yep. Yep. So um, so basically uh, you can have up to four people in an SMSF. I've seen that a couple of times, but that's for more, I guess, high net worth families where they're sort of setting it up that way. Um, typically it's, it's you know, partner relationships. So mum and dad or husband and wife set it up together. They pull their, their super balances together they set up one entity as a as a, as an smsf um, john and jane smith smsf um, if you're looking at and then you can use that to, to purchase shares and do whatever you want in investing um, or like you said if you've got enough you can pay cash for a property um, if you're looking at uh, borrowing to, to to purchase a property in your smsf um, in addition to the super fund um, what you need to do is you need to set up what's called a bear trust um, now, the Bear Trust is... Um, so, I'm going to draw this for those watching sure. on YouTube just while you're talking. So, if we've got... We've set up a self-managed super fund and I've got the iPad for people uh, listening. Uh, you can watch this part on YouTube. If you've got the self-managed super fund uh, and we covered um, the trustee company in the episode we did on Tuesday, trustee company... Uh, and you've got the members of the super fund and I'll just draw two stick people and I'm horrendous at drawing stick people. Um, so they're the directors of the trustee company and they're also uh, the members of the super fund. We'll just assume there's two people. Uh, and then we've got the house over here that we want to buy. And what are we up to now? Sure. So in addition to... You can probably see it on the little screen there under the camera. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so in addition to the SMSF, the trustee company, yep. there is a, a third entity, yep. um, which is called the Bear Trust. Yep. Um, so the reason it's called a Bear Trust, not like the um, grizzly <laughs> brown bear. Bear as um, in it's, no it's bear, B-A-R-E, meaning yep. that there's nothing in it. It's just basically a shelf company. Yep. Um, so it's set up that way to uh, for the purpose of what's called limited recourse borrowing yep. um, or LRBA, limited recourse borrowing arrangement. Yep. Um, so how it is set up is that the, the super fund or the trustee company is the borrower. Yep. So it borrows the money from the bank. Yep. And the owner of the property is the bear trust. So the contract of sale will have the bear trust name. And the loan will be in the name of the the trustee company. Yep. Now the bank takes into consideration for serviceability. It'll take in the members' um, super 
So serviceability, you mean how are we going to repay the mortgage repayments? Correct. Yep. Correct. So they'll work out the borrowing capacity on um, the individual's super contributions. Yep. So they're, um, they're currently 9.5. Um, and also the rental income that comes into um, that property as well. Yep. Now, the reason it's called limited recourse borrowing is that um, the the bank is only recourse or all they can take to recoup their money in the event of default is the property. So they've only got the access to the property in, in yep. that in the SMSF. Even if you had a million dollars in the in the super fund, um, the bank So you could have a million dollar share portfolio and a five hundred thousand dollar property and if you you lost your job, you had no super contributions going in, you had liquidity issues in the super fund the tenants moved out of the property and the banker like, well, you haven't paid us for three months. We're coming to take the property off the super fund. And if the property was worth less than what you paid for it, mm-hmm. the bank can't go after the other assets inside the super inside fund. Inside the super, correct. Yeah. And yeah. outside? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point, John. So outside, um, typically now the, the lending um, landscape's a lot different to what it was sort of five and 10 years ago. So uh, most lenders will, will require a, a personal guarantee from, from the individuals or the, or the, um, the, the directors of the super fund. So yep. in the event that they sold the property and they couldn't recoup their, recoup their money, then they would although they can't get it out of the SMSF, they would then go to the individuals and say, we, we need this shortfall. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's, it is complex and you need advice. Um, but we did talk about the LRBA and what I want to kind of um, talk to now, because people are probably thinking, how much do I need to set up this self-managed super fund to buy a property? So talk to us about, and John kind of touched on this before, talk to us about, um, the LVR. So loan to value ratio, if I was buying a property in my own name outside of super, mm-hmm. I could put in 5% potentially sure, and then the bank would lend me uh, 95%. Correct. Yep. So it's... It's, it's a lot different in your individual name outside of super. Yeah. Um, like you said, you can borrow up to 95%. You can get mortgage insurance above 80%. However, in, in super, there's, you know, you can't get mortgage insurance. Um, you, you can technically borrow up to 80% LVR, um, but typically from my experience, most banks will will basically cap that at, at 70% LVR. There's higher risk um, given the, the limited recourse borrowing back to um, the funds. Um, most of them are capped at, at 70%. Okay, so what you're saying is if I wanted to buy a residential property in my self-managed super fund and that property was $500,000, mm-hmm. I've got to rock up with a hundred and fifty grand deposit. Correct. Which means... I need 150 grand in my super fund. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Plus, plus stamps. Plus. Plus. Yeah, plus, plus all of the setup costs for the property. So, um, you know, you've got your stamp duty. Um, Which being, is the biggie. Being the, being the biggest one. Um, and in addition to that, the setup costs are much higher um, for a super fund loan than, than an individual. So you went and got a stock standard home loan. 
you might pay nothing for an application fee. You might pay $500 for a basic application fee. Yeah. Um, and, and you've got to set up a bear trust as well. Correct. Yeah. So setting up a, a super fund, um, you've probably already covered the, the setup yep. cost for a super fund. Yep. Um, however, when you're purchasing in an SMSF, correct, you've got to set up um, the bear trust, which is a, another expense to the fund. Um, the application fees are generally a lot higher. Um, depending on what lender you go to, um, I typically allow about four thousand dollars for setup for setup costs. Um, they're typically a percentage of the of the Purchase of the price. loan amount um, is the is the application fee. Uh, in addition to that, you've got your legal fees. So you've got your standard conveyancing fees to handle the contracts. Um, and typically, most lenders will want you to get independent legal advice uh, on the on the um, on the personal guarantees that are involved as well. So in addition to your normal conveyancer, um, you've got another sort of a, a grand there in, in sort of additional mm. legal fees. I mean, we mentioned this in the last episode, didn't we? The, the SMSF is basically a company, right? Yeah, so sure. A lot of property well, it's, heads... it's basically a trust, John. <laughs> yeah, well, but it's treated as a company. You do annual, yeah, yeah. annual tax returns yeah. and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of property heads out there will go and set up a self-managed super fund for the pure aim of just buying a property. So the cost of having that tax return and all the fees of purchasing sure. property and all that mm. is basically attributed to that property alone and the yield associated with that. Yeah, and I guess I'd probably add to that um, a lot of lenders will ask for a, a 10% liquidity in the fund upon settlement of the property. So talk to us about that. Yeah, correct. So um, it, it's one thing to have all that cash, but um, the banks want to see that you've got some surplus in the fund. So they don't want you to put every dollar in the fund and then the day after settlement, you've got $10 in, in, in the super fund. There's nothing left in it. Um because it's difficult to get money into the SMSF, they're limited to how much you can put in um, with your contribution caps and whatnot. So most lenders will want to see um, some surplus cash in the super fund yep. in the form of what they call liquidity. So that and that can be up to ten percent of the of the property. Um, yeah. So realistically, on that um, five hundred thousand dollar residential property, mm. we need one hundred and fifty grand deposit. Sure. We need fifty grand left over as a cash buffer in the fund, plus maybe twenty five, thirty grand of setup yeah, costs. Yeah. You know, we're up to maybe two hundred and thirty grand. Correct. Uh, in the super fund to even pick up the phone. Uh, to even inquire about this stuff. Yeah, that's which, right. And yeah. and it's a lot of money, but if you're a working couple and you've both been working for 10, 15 years, you might both have 150 grand in the super fund each and then you can yeah. join your money. That's fine, but I guess for the average punter out there, it's it's going to be off the table. Correct, yeah. If, if When you break it down to a macro level, the, the, the cost quite often outweighs the benefit mm. um, unless you're looking at a very cheap property you know you're looking at something for 300 grand or something which you know obviously limits your limits mm. your options out there um but to to have access to you know a broader sort of range of properties and things like that that 200 benchmark that's pretty much where it sort of comes in yeah and we, we've done a little bit with um especially regional businesses and and investors where they just want to buy local mm. and 300 is is quite comfortable for them so it's all relative as to what your strategy is but 10 years ago 
three hundred was the norm, wasn't it? So, That's and right. you could borrow at twenty um, percent mm. um, money down. So you're in for sixty grand plus costs um, with some liquidity there. It's still probably only going to be a hundred grand that you need. So sure. that's very much changed, isn't it? Yeah. Now, talk to us about interest rates inside the self-managed super fund. Sure. Do you do the banks charge more? And can we do principal and interest? Can we do interest only? What type of mortgage strategy stuff can we do inside the super fund? Sure. So, um, where the way the banks price it because it's a um, it's a company that's borrowing, so it is a it is a commercial loan. So um, the interest rates are much higher than your than any current individual um, interest rates. So and is that because there is no lender's mortgage insurance? It's generally it's commercial, so it's just seen as a high risk business anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so if you if you've got a commercial loan in your individual name, you'd, you'd typically be paying higher than your individual interest rates anyway. Um, but with the added complexity and risk to a bank, um, the interest rates are higher. You're, you're looking at anywhere up at the moment up to about 6% um, compared to looking at, you know, under 3% if you're looking double, at, a, at a residential. Double, it? So it's basically yeah. double the interest rate. Um, the same thing, you, you can have interest only and, and, and principal and interest. Um, however, it's not as attractive to have interest only um, because you're, you're not getting that you know, cash flow or, or um, negative gearing benefit in, in, in the super fund. So typically most people will set up as a principal and interest loan to try to, you know, extinguish that debt so they've got a, a paid off asset when they mm. get to retirement. Yeah. How, how is their appetite at the moment for interest only? Because I imagine that interest rate itself would be higher again than principal and interest. Correct, yeah. So interest only again makes it more expensive So um, and, and it just adds to the, the, the lender's risk. So it's, it's again, it, it works out costing you more in the long run. Um, and then also... You can borrow up to a 30-year loan term, so similar to, to in your individual names. However, if you're doing an interest-only term at the start, say, for example, five years, then you've got to pay it off over 25 years. Um, so your payments will start off cheap, but then in five years, they're, they're going to go up. Mm. So being sorry, being commercial loan, are they looking at the postcode as well? Because like in Resi, in a lot of cases, they'll look at where the region is, class A, B, or C, and and assess it from there. Are they doing the same thing? Correct. Yep. So if if I if I've got a new client that's purchasing a property in in SMSF, the first thing I do is I'll go out to the the banks and say this is the address of the property. Mm. Uh, what can you lend? up to against this. So what's the maximum LVR that you can lend against this property? So they might in, you know, Sydney CBD, they might lend up to 80%. Whereas if you're looking at regional or if you're looking at a, um, uh, factory Bay in Timbuktu. Factory Bay in Timbuktu. <laughs> yeah, might be like, yeah, yeah. give us. Yeah. You know, so, 70%. I mean, I've had lenders just recently that, um, will, in in inner city Brisbane, um, in sort of a high rise development, uh, one lender said that they'd lend fifty percent LVR. Um, yeah, wow. Their their risk their their risk yeah. in that area and that postcode was was that high that they right. said we'll do it, but at fifty percent mm. on so, our terms. Which means you know in that five hundred k you'd need two hundred fifty k. Just as a deposit, just a, as deposit plus yeah. your buffers and your stamps. Yeah. And, and it may also be that in that example, they've already got exposure in that postcode? Correct, yeah. So so we're, we're talking commercial lenders that are, you know, they're not a large bank that's got 
billions of dollars sort of yeah. there ready to go. So their exposure is, is a lot sort of smaller or their risk is a, is a lot higher than that. Um, so what they'll do is they'll look at the overall postcode and then they'll look at that individual um, property that you that you're purchasing, whether it's yeah. a you know it's a it's a house and land or if it's a it's a one bedroom apartment or whatever. Typically, it's a um, yeah. Now we're going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to talk about renovating the house that we've just purchased in the self managed super fund. That'll be interesting. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. All right, so we've purchased the property. The property is settled. We want to obviously make money from property. It just so happens we're buying it in our self-managed super fund. We want to renovate the kitchen. Can we get the bank out to revalue the loan and draw some equity out of that loan? How does it work in super? No. So, so in super, um, you cannot borrow to improve an asset. So um, it's a pretty much a blanket rule. So you cannot borrow an additional 50 grand to subdivide it. You cannot borrow five grand to to upgrade the kitchen. Um, you can uh, refinance an SMSF loan. Um, I've done a handful of those, but it's got to be what we call a, a dollar for dollar refinance. So if you owe $212,000 on your current loan, you've got to replace that with a $212,000 loan um, with a different bank. So you can't increase at all. Um, And also you cannot access the equity or the future equity in that property. So if you buy it for 500 grand- And it's gone up to 700. It's gone up to 700 and you've gone, beauty, I've got 200 grand. Um, Like you would do in an individual name, there's some dormant equity there. Let's take out a second mortgage against that, use that for deposit and buy another property. You can't do that in super. Uh, Basically that equity just kind of sits there until you get to to retirement or you sell that property. Yeah. So could they use the principal that they've paid- well, sorry, not the principal. They could have put extra funds into the self-managed super fund or an offset account within there. Are they able to use that for their next investment potentially? Um, you, they, they cannot redraw out of yep. the loan. So if they've paid into it, they can't redraw back out of it. Yep. I've seen a few instances where um, you know people have had money just sitting there and thought, oh, I'm paying you know 6% interest over here. I'll just dump 20 grand in it. Mm. Um, and I had one client where they needed, they had it, a, um, it was in a strata building and they needed a um, special levy to do the um, uh, outdoor shutters of the building and it was 20 grand and they wanted to get the 20 grand back out. And I said, well, Sorry, that's sorry, buddy. That that that's sort of spent. So then they had to, um, uh, unfortunately, they had to dip into their own pocket and put mm-hmm. a contribution into the super fund. So, um, but you can certainly use cash, so surplus cash that's in the super. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use that to either purchase another property or back to your um, sort of renovating if you need to do improve the um, or maintenance to the property. You can use cash mm-hmm. to do that. So if you buy something that needs a little bit of work. Um, you can you can use cash money to. But it's all it. it's almost like you're really limited because you can't 
basically buy the property, throw your brother or sister in there and renovate it while they kind of live there. Like you can't do it. It's just no. got to be buy it, get on with your life. Hold that's it. right. Yeah. yeah. So that's- trying to buy a more a, a newer property is, is typically the go because you don't want to be renovating it you don't want to be pouring money into it because you you know you're using all of your cash and you're and and technically speaking like if you're you know you've got a property and i don't know that's got solar on it for example and there's a problem with the solar and you need to spend five grand to fix the solar you can't just get the five grand out of your own personal bank account and fix a solar with because technically that five grand is seen as a contribution to superannuation. Mm, sure. It's got to come out of the self-managed super fund bank account. Like it really is more of a complex property investing strategy. And you just you just really want to be sure that it's the right thing for you. That's right, yeah. The the, the big one is the contract in relation to self-managed super funds. So you, you can only have a one-part contract, can't you? You can't have a two-part contract like a house and land example where there might correct. be a land contract and a house contract. That's correct, yeah. So um, a, a lot of people, uh, you know, you, you buy a block of land and then you build a house on it. Mm. Um, you cannot do that in, in, in super. So you can't have what John was referring to like a land and construction contract. It's got to be a... Uh, uh, Completed. A completed contract. So essentially you're buying like an off-the-plan apartment, for example. You sign a contract um, and then you pay a deposit and then there's an end figure. Mm. Um, some builders will do that for, for land and construction. Um, it, it's, it is somewhat difficult to find a builder that will build just a stock standard residential house in that um, at that instance, but but you can find them, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Well, they'd, they'd need to be in that case. They'd need to be the owner of the land and the builder basically to have that one part contract. That's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I guess I just wanted to give people a bit of a, a look under the hood of the complexities of buying a property with your super monies and it might not be for everybody. In fact, even if you did have between you and your partner 500 grand in your super fund, I think it's the question, well, is it, a broader strategy we want to do because we know that each super self-managed superannuation fund needs an investment strategy. You know, you are trustees of your own money. Mm-hmm. Is it wise to have that pool of money for its members just in one asset class? And the members happen to be you. But mm-hmm. as far as, you know, the ATO and the auditors see it, the members are the members just because you're the trustee. It's, it's completely separate. So mm. I think it is more fraught with possible danger, more costs associated and do you want more drama in your life? I mean, John, you've got a self-managed super fund Mm. and you've got property exposure in the fund. Yeah, and I think if you've listened to all this and you're you're still pro-property in self-managed super fund, you you want to go ahead with it, that's great. Know the positives, know the negatives like we do with anything. I would just say if if you're gunning for a let's say a 4% gross yield outside of prop- outside of super, inside super you would want maybe 6% as a minimum just because those extra costs that we spoke about. Just keep yourself cash heavy inside your super to keep the cash buffers, to keep the running costs um, under control so that you're not the, – the last thing you want to be doing is using your personal income, your future income to prop up 
uh, a property that's only yielding 3% inside super. Yeah. Do you have any final comments, Nige? Uh, I, I guess just to sort of bring it all together, you know, get get your get the right advice so so go and talk to a planner and work out your you know your 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 investment strategy where do you want to get to is um you know the end goal it is a long term strategy unlike a property in your individual name that you can buy it Flip renovate it, it yeah. and flip it um in a year or two or 5 or 10 um buying a property in in super is a retirement strategy so you're going to keep that until retirement to get any of the benefits out of it. So it, 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 you need that um, extra advice, seek multiple um, people in their specialist field so they can give you their individual take on what you're looking at doing. Because it's like, and I'll just chat on real estate agents for two minutes. Hello, how are you? Thanks for listening. It's been real. Um, you know, you ask any real estate agent when you're inside a house they're selling, it is the best investment isn't it? Mm. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of real estate agents who give investment advice, uh, which is fantastic. And thanks for listening. But also, I don't get my investment advice from a real estate agent. Did I just chat on heaps of real estate agents? I didn't mean to. Shout but out it, to them. I'm still your friends, guys. Yeah, I yeah, am as well. Yeah. But I, I think just I've used you as an example. Um, it's like I don't get my car advice from the car salesperson. Do I? Sure. As to what you want to buy, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like you walk into Toyota and you talk to the Toyota salesperson. Yeah. Guess what the best car to buy is for you? I'm going to say it's a bloody Toyota. So. Well, which it should be anyway. Well, John, you're talking to someone here who now owns a Toyota. (laughs) He's come across to the I bought a Prado, everyone. I bought a Prado to tailboat and I'm pro Toyota because they also make Lexus. Anyway. Um so yeah, so that's good. Nigel, Nigel. Yeah, so just your whole thing is just be extra vigilant, and just if you're walking into someone's office and they do everything, just get someone to run their eyes over the actual investment mm. portion of that. Mm. And and I guess John, your clarity calls. You know, if someone wants to buy a property, to a point, in terms of strategy, the Ownership, it's it comes into it because obviously if you want to buy a property with your super fund and it does grow rapidly mm. and you build up 400 grand worth of equity in five years, mm. well, if you want that equity out, you're selling the bastard. Yeah. I mean, there's as we discussed in the last episode, there's some fantastic CGT uh, benefits of having an asset inside your super, isn't it? Uh, but- you've got to understand what lets most property investors down is the holding costs in the first five years of running it. So you've got to analyse that pretty strictly on the way in. Um, Like we have a a buyer's agent service for self-managed super fund, but that's as far as we go. We we don't say, yeah, I reckon we should buy this. We just, Mm. yeah, we don't do enough in it. And talk to to a broker as well. Um, Talk to me, talk to another broker. Get them to run the numbers on the – on the current lending environment because that does change dramatically yeah. over time, uh, particularly at the moment. Um, it, the landscape has changed over the last five years. Um, polar opposites. Five years ago, all the major lenders were doing SMSF. Um, there would have been a dozen different banks that were doing it. Now we're limited to 
less than a handful mm. that, yeah. that are doing it. So, um, something. Yeah. well, but the reason <laughs> talk is- to a broker to, to, to run the numbers before you look at doing anything, just to make sure what what you're being told is, um, yeah, you know, is actually going to happen that you're going to get the. Tight, never I, I think a couple of years ago as well, the government they kind of flagged they're going to knock lending within a self managed super fund on the head. Mm. And that was the, it was a bit of a rush. Everyone was going out buying properties. Yeah. Um, and they altered the four members to six uh, as well, didn't they? they no, it's, that. They, they, they floated it in the Treasury Laws Amendment Bill in 2019, mm. uh, but it's not legislated. Out. So, it's, so you can still only have four members. Four is the max. Yeah. Anyway. Well, you've been Nigel Pigeon. You've been John Pigeon. You've been real. Listeners, it's actually Nigel Pritchard. Oh, what did I say, Nigel Pigeon? <laughs> and what did, you, what did I say to you? No, I was right. Oh. This is Glenn Pritchard. This is Nigel oh, James. I'm, uh, we're right. on I need money. Yeah, and um, again, don't listen to two dickheads with a microphone for your financial advice. Three today. Yeah, three too. We've got an extra dickhead here. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Right. See you Bye. soon. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.